0: Hello and welcome to Adventures in One Love podcast. This is a place that you will find raw, unedited audio of interviews that we've conducted with different people. So let's get in it.
1: And welcome to Adventures in One Love. I am Lydia, and I am so excited for today's episode. I am joined by my brother, my friend, Derek Diaz, the founder of God Set Me Free Worldwide.
2: Got it. I did it. You nailed it.
1: Ooh, I <laughs> said I was going to have to do this like 10 times. Keep it real, y'all. God is good. Derek, thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you for having me. This
1: is so awesome. We've had the priv- I've had the privilege to kind of have some one-on-ones with you that... I don't think a lot of people really get the opportunity to just kind of have conversations like we've had.
2: Yeah. It's been a blessing. And I hope that that changes. Like, you know, like there's a stigma of being unreachable, right? Yes. But, I mean, I think that the goal of the body of Christ is that we would be available, regardless of busyness, but that we would be available because this wouldn't be as free-flowing as it's going to be and as fun right? if this would have been mocked up,
1: yeah, you know? Well, for those who follow our channel and who are subscribed, make sure you subscribe, like,
2: hit that button, hit
1: that button. Do all do all the things. Uh, I, I, I keep it rule. This is pretty much what you see is what you get, uh, because God is good, and this is what we're encouraging. I think you and I both really have the heart that we want people to be themselves. Yeah. And you know, I I have been privileged to hear a lot of your testimony. Um, I'm excited. Uh, and I just pray right now that whoever is listening to this message that they feel holy Spirit in this and that they hear god 's heart for them through what God has done for you yeah so share with us a little bit what has what brought you to the Lord? <laughs> How did Oof. you get here
2: yeah um, I think the first thing to preface the entire testimony is I know that a lot of people have had this gigantic life of sin, and then just this abrupt moment with the Lord. And I want to say that there is that. Like, there is this piece of my testimony that was that. But I think the heart of my testimony was, what happens when you're a Christian and then the rug gets pulled from under you? Come on. And um, I think that's where I would love to, like, keep the focus. So I'm going to breeze through the sin. So it's like, yo, yes, like, molested at Mm 8, like, addicted to pornography by 10. Lived a life of just sexual perversion, like you name it, I did it. Greed, it was all there. Twenty-four, I respond emotionally to an altar call, and I just I want to clarify, like I responded emotionally to an altar call.
1: I love that, and I hope that people hear. They'll they'll understand why I say it, you know.
2: So, and then I live out a Christian life for five years that Christianity taught me to live out. Mm -hmm. You know, date the first girl you see marry the first girl you date, go plant a church, go become a pastor. So that's what my Christian role, like that was what was wrapped up around my Christian role. So from 2014, by December 18th of 2018, I had done all of those things. I checked off all those boxes, mm-hmm. you know, speaking at conferences. I mean, I was well known in Florida, traveling to different states to preach. Um, and then I got rocked. Um, I got rocked with the really hard situation. Um, and I'm grateful because when we allow the Lord to join us and reflect, you get to see where the breadcrumbs actually start. So September of 2018, a friend had came back from the world race, uh, you know, 11 month missionary journey and it was her birthday party. and She was like, I just want to have a worship night. And I was like, yes, say less. So we go do this worship night. She introduces me to the upper room for the first time. I hear their song, Surrounded. And to me, it was like, it was a breath of fresh air. It was the first time I heard a worship song that was like more than five minutes long, you know? And so I'm enjoying this. From September, then I start reading a book by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church. And Mm. if you've never read that, I'm going to let every reader, listener, like know, like this is a book that you need. Mm. Like if you fully want to understand the body of Christ, Like this is an essential. And so I start doing this book and it's a complete contradiction to what we're doing at the church. And my heart is stirred. I start to do this book study with my young adults. Their hearts are stirred. And what I didn't know then that I understand now was like we were starting to get a little bit of revival. But the thing about revival is all the mess comes up. Mm -hmm. Like revival is messy and i hope that people understand that i
1: love that because i think when you hear i think when most people hear revival they just hear holy spirit miracles trans you know transformation but there's a process to transformation yeah. some things have to be revealed and come out so yeah like
2: people have to be in the bar in order mm-hmm. for holy spirit to convict them to turn the bar into a worship center like it's messy yeah and so the mess in my life was as good as a movement of everything that was going on, I was a terrible husband. Mm -hmm. Like I put ministry before my marriage. I was such an orphan in my marriage that I valued like the friends that I was building, the influence that I had. And unfortunately that started to lead us astray. And on December 18th of 2018, I found out that my ex-wife had an affair with my co-pastor. And this is the rug moment. This is watching like everything that I felt like the Lord had been doing in the ministry in my life, it just got pulled from under me. And it was so it was so traumatizing because I was the guy that loved preaching on Hosea and Gomer.
0: Mm.
2: Like I loved preaching about the God who had the agape love the one that would chase after the one who sold herself back into prostitution. Like I, but my heart was like, I don't want this. And I started to recall all the times in my life from the beginning of my marriage to that day, all the fear that I had, like getting to the altar. And I was like, I don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to. Like my, my marriage on my end was wrapped up with so much fear from being an orphan and being insecure that I was just playing the cards. Even after finding out, um, you know, our first role was to do what? It was to start reconciliation. It was to start the repairing process. Mm -hmm. And so naturally as a Christian, that's what you're taught to do. But what do you do when your heart is very disconnected from what you're doing? Like you're just doing it just because you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. But I was willing to, I was like, you know what? Like people are throwing the whole God hates divorce, you know, verse in my mind. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to do this. And so I walked through all of this. And about in the middle of January, I find out from a mutual friend that the information that I knew wasn't all the information I should have known. Mm-hmm. And so I confront my ex-wife. I find out this is true. Like She's, she's validated it. And I will always honor her by saying like she came, she came up front. Whenever it was ready to be exposed, she didn't shrink back from it. And I was like, you know what? From this moment on, I have to separate myself from the house. And so I went on a fast. I did a, uh, it was my first time ever fasting as a Christian. I did a Daniel fast and I asked the Lord one question because I was done. I was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe this is Christianity. I don't believe this is real. Like I had historical evidence to provide like God existed, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want it. If this is Christianity, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. So I petitioned to him when I like throwing out the fleece right before the fast, I was like, I need to know, do I stay or do I walk away? And that was all I asked. And probably about two and a half weeks into the fast, uh, a friend invites me into a random church in Lake Worth, Florida. And I was like, you know what? I'll go. I haven't been to church since December. I know that they don't know me. I know that I don't know them. Um, and my friend walks me into my first spirit-filled church. And it was the first time that worship went on for an hour. And I was like, who does this? It was the first time I heard someone talk about spiritual warfare. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And then that night was the start of everything that changed my life. We get back into worship and the worship leader gets on stage. He starts playing his guitar, he starts singing and he gets off the stage in the middle of the set. And he comes up to me and he looks at me. He's like, son, the Lord has a word for you. And I didn't understand what that meant. Like I had no context to what he was talking about because no one told me that the Lord speaks. And in faith, I just trusted. And for the sake of time, I won't tell all the story. But he looked at me in the eyes with tears in his eyes. And he said, son, the Lord wants you to know that it's okay. It's going to be okay to walk away. And I just wept like, I mean, we wept together on the floor for like 45 minutes. Wow. This man knew nothing. He knew nothing about my story, my testimony. And it wasn't that he was delivering a word so that I would create action. He actually gave me a word to give me the power to find out that four days later, I was sitting in the garage of my old home, finding out that the entire time that we had sought restoration, the affair was still going on. So the word didn't give me the power to leave. It was the word giving me the power to understand that what was actually trying to go down, which was we can try to restore. It wasn't happening on her end. And this is where I think the Bible says clearly, it says repentance, godly sorrow leads to repentance. And there's a difference between being sorry for the people and being sorry about your, your relationship with God. You know, David says, I think it's Psalm 51. He says, I've sinned against you and you alone. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, you're talking about like, you did some pretty jacked up stuff, David, but you don't even care about them. You're, you really care about your relationship with the Lord. And I identified that that was the issue in my ex-wife. It's like she was ready to take this situation the way a CEO would take a scandal and Mm kind of do what we had to do in order to make it work so that it would like, we'd come out on top. Mm -hmm. And, um, That moment led me to the freedom, which led me to a conference in February of 2019 called Ascend here in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And again, without context, without any grid of what was going on, I experienced a four and a half hour baptism of the Holy Spirit where fire, electricity, I was pinned to the ground. Like, it's funny, I make fun of it, but I looked like a dinosaur. Like I was like pinned with my arms, like caught in front of me. And for anybody that was at the send, you know, everyone knows like it was a hot day. There were barely any clouds. And I had people walking up to me, whispering in my ear, because I was like looking straight up at the sun. They were like, we see angels like literally covering you, like their wings are covering you. So it's why you're not having an issue with looking up. And I got up from that encounter and I had felt what I understand now, I had felt like the Lord had deposited every spiritual gift that he had promised every believer. And I was completely healed from everything that I'd walked through. Oh, amen. He walked me through trauma. Like like I was saying earlier, like the, the, the molestation, I've gotten raped twice. Like I've had so many things happen to me. And it was like, he took all of that in five hours and healed me from all of it. Like there was no residue, none. Wow. And I was able to get up and I just start running around the stadium, praying for people. The Lord giving me words of knowledge. like No way. Like, no way. Because I didn't even have a grid. Like, I had to, like, leave the conference, sit under somebody and be like, what just happened? Like, how do you, how do you yeah. explain this to me? So, like, that's where I'm at. Like, I think if you want to know my testimony, it was it's two months worth of breadcrumbs that led to an entire baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my emotional altar call became actual salvation on that day of the sin. Because what I was walking towards was probably getting to the pearly gates at the end of my life with full bags of ministry. And I knew that the Lord would have been like, depart from me, for I knew you not. Come on. I did not know him. I served him, but I did not know him. And that's my testimony. Like, I know him and he knows me.
0: Amen.
2: Like, I, have, it's a privilege to be a son
1: now. Amen. Amen.
0: I'm going to jump in right here real fast and remind you to make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Check out our YouTube channel, Adventures in One Love, where we're constantly posting videos and updates that are a little more short form content. If you enjoy uh, the podcast, you'll definitely enjoy our videos. Now back to the content.
1: Yes. Yes and amen. You know, there's so many things that stand out, but I think I don't want anyone to gloss over the fact that you were a believer you were doing you were walking in obedience to the word and to your leadership and you were struggling but i think the biggest thing that i hear that i personally have experienced and so i think that's kind of part of the divine connection that the lord has here is that we really have walked very similarly um, and so I do deeply understand when you have that emotional, like, well, Lord, you can save me to, oh, oh, you want to be in relationship with me? Like, oh, you want to do this with me? Like, that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful experience. But that is completely in some settings, it, that's not the message. Yeah. That, and, and I appreciate you calling it out. And I think that is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do right now and trying to reveal to the body that yes, faith without works is dead. right? But
2: so is works without faith.
1: Thank you. And and that is, the, why are we doing it? Why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. Am I doing it because I want everybody to think I am a good ministry leader, good wife, good mom, right? Is that the reason why I'm doing it? Or am I doing it unto the Lord because he has equipped me? called me and he wants to do this with me
2: and he satisfies everything in me so it's a pleasure to do these things
1: it's so beautiful god is so good and i'm just so you know i i have been i say fortunate because you know just context is helpful when you say what you've walked through to say the lord heals you in four hours and there's no residue I, i mean Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we were really fortunate to interview um, another ministry leader, and she had what, uh, you know, Leanne Goff of Leanne Goff Ministries, so she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she shared she had a baptism of love, something very similar, where she was a mighty woman of God. And the Lord tells her, I don't want a mighty woman of God. I want my child. I yeah. want a daughter. And so I really, I, I think that is the biggest message that Holy Spirit is really trying to reveal amongst the body is sonship. Yeah. And you, you are one of the few people that have really, you have found a very comfortable space and a, and a confidence that is from the Lord to really talk about sonship. And I mean, your apparel, dear Christianity, you're addressing the disconnect. Yeah. So how how is that looking in this season for you? How are you addressing that? And how is the body responding?
2: That's good. Um, well, as you know, I my mission is to reach people who don't want to hear the message. They need to see it. Um, I think that the message of sonship has been very... It's been spoken about a lot, but it's not been done. Uh, those two things have been... A big difference. I'm going to wait for a second because I hear the yeah. dog.
1: <laughs> we hear the puppy. Okay, no, I don't know if you're or not. we're good.
2: Um, in my life, because he radically transformed the way that I viewed him, because I went from viewing a judge on a seat to a father, and the father was, come to me because I have open arms for you. Like, Stop trying to fight things that I've already conquered. Mm -hmm. The revelation that hit me with all of that was, why am I trying to do something that he's already done? And the closer I get to him, the more happy I become. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that's the simplicity of of sonship. Now there's obviously layers, but here's here's what I've been trying to accomplish in the Lord is... You've been doing something, yet the devil is prevailing. I think we need to stop wasting our time trying to add on multiple ministries and trying to create anecdotes. And we need to just hit people at the root. I believe with all of my heart that there are only two spiritual battles going on. It's the battle of the son and the battle of the orphan. Wow. And everything stems from the orphan. Mm -hmm. why someone doesn't feel secure in singleness orphan why someone doesn't feel good in their marriage orphan why someone wants to serve a house yet be completely disconnected from the from the lord orphan it you can tie it straight back to the spirit of the orphan amen so the message is yeah i hear you like yes fine go do the 12-step process on how to have a good single life but What about the one step process of knowing that Jesus is Lord, but he's also your savior? Because here's the reality. Like we're in a day and age where we're so close to everyone knowing him as Lord, but only a few knowing him as savior. Mm. And I get the chance of knowing him now as Lord and savior and a father and a friend and a brother and a teacher and a mentor And a confident, like someone that consoles my spirit. Like there's so many things that I've gotten from him because I've not tried to treat him the way man has taught me to treat him. Mm. So what do we have to do as the body of Christ? We have to stop speaking and we have to start doing. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know, it's called the Beatitudes so we can be everything that he told us to be. You know, it's and we don't do it out of the spirit of the orphan, which is, well, if I do it, no, we do it the way. Paul taught us. He said, man, I'm considered the least of the apostles, but I'm going to outwork them all. Why? Because the grace of God hit him. Like the grace didn't put him in the recliner seat. It put fuel in his body to say, I'm going to go. And I'm going to outwork everybody. Why? Because I've received so much grace. And I'm about to pour out so much love on these people because I've received this grace. That's so good. And yeah, I might have a little bit of a Todd White remnant because I went to the Todd White School, Lifestyle Christianity. I may understand a lot about like ministering to the Lord because I'm a part of the upper room. Like I have all those things, but I didn't, I didn't make those things my ministry. I made those things, the things that fuel me so that I can go out and live the call that the Lord has called me to do. Amen. If there's one thing that I got from the send is that the body of Christ is inactive, we had to create an entire conference with 60,000 people to show up and call it the war on inaction. It means that the body of Christ is not doing something. So, I hear what they're saying. They're t- they're they're t- they're talking they're, call- they're talking about all these prophecies that Bob Jones has had, the nameless and faceless generations about to come out and we're going to see a billion soul harvest. Cool, I got it. You mean nameless, faceless and brandless. Mm-hmm. So, I don't need the cosign for anybody. Like the Lord gave me the cosign, So I go and I do it. And I've been marked by a lot of these missionaries that have come before us. And these, these leaders of the faith that were just like, I'm going, I heard him. I don't care. Like, I don't care if you're not cosigning. I'm just going to go, you know, and, and it may sound harsh. Like I would love community. I really do. But those pastors and preachers and evangelists and people that are holding back, people that are ready to go, where does that fall into? It's the same insecurity that the, the average pe- person has that doesn't know Christ. It's the insecurity of the orphan. That's right. So may the message sound clear. Like because he's adopted me into his family, I set my minds on the things that he has set his mind on. And I don't have time to like wallow around and try to figure out anything more than like my sonship, mm. because out of my sonship, I bear good fruit, but out of the orphan bears bad fruit, and anybody that ingests bad fruit becomes infected that's right, and so
1: we're just creating more orphans I don't want it, yeah, I don't want it so there's there's something that keeps coming back to me, and I've had a similar um it, it, I want to really express my gratitude. And even when we were praying before we started talking, I just felt such a heart of gratitude because there is nothing that we desire more but to be seen by the father. I mean, it's what we chase after is like, you know, we think we're going to get that from being seen by man. But really, we want to be like, wow, God, you see me like I'm important enough And in that, I I like how you said you didn't have like a, a script or you used a different phrase, but when God is moving in your life and you, I mean, you have to start somewhere. And so to know Christ and to hear the gospel in any form is a blessing and it's a start, but don't just stay there. Really pursue that intimacy. But I love how you shared that there was you didn't really always understand what was next like when you first experience worship at, in the upper room you're like they do this like right so how how would you encourage someone who is and an, I'm I'm <laughs> I want to tiptoe like uh, uh, gingerly on the fact that people use the term deconstruction they're deconstructing their faith it's it's a really heavy term right now in the body and I I heard I, I read a great article which I couldn't remember because I just read so many things. But they talked about deconstruction itself is not bad if you're doing it with the Lord. Right. Right. But it's like when they're just, I'm throwing everything out and then I'm going to figure out, again, I'm going to blank slate. Let me etch a sketch, shake my-
2: Entire doctrinal belief.
1: Yeah. Let me just erase everything and start from no. Yeah. Walk with the Lord. But I love that it was- new and different like oh oh okay and now we're doing this and now i'm evangelizing in a parking lot right
2: prophesying what
1: how would you encourage someone who's in that journey of discovering new gifts dreams uttering prophetic prophetic words like how would you encourage someone walking through that sure um
0: Hey, I'm going to interrupt real fast to remind you that you can find out more information about our ministry on our website, oneloveunited.org. There you can come help support us, prayfully consider to, to donate, uh, to support our ministry as we're trying to share the love of Christ with others and help them to understand their true identity in Christ. Back to the content.
2: I have two. A papa in the faith, his name is Ray Sturtevant. He said to me one day, he said, there is a core about Jesus that no one will ever be able to change about what I know. But the further and further I get away from that core, the more open I am to hearing other people's opinions and views. And I think that's the start of where someone needs to have a foundation. Like, what do we actually know about Christ and him crucified? Like, do you you have questions about that? If you do, then that's what we need to talk about. But if you're sure that he lived, rose, died, and came back, like, then we're good. Do you understand his ministry? Do you understand why he was here? Do you understand that he left heaven, you know, because we were about to die, not from Satan, but from God himself. Like, Jesus saved us from God. Hmm. Like, the wrath of God was about to be poured out on all of us, and yet they found no other way. And I like to give people, like, a millennial like analogy it's like when dr strange was trying to figure out the 14 million different ways on how they were going to beat thanos like god and jesus were like there's only one way wow. and i think about what it must have felt like for a father to have to know that the only way to see salvation for all men was that he had to give his son i heard a pastor say like not many people will fully understand what john three sixteen looks like until they hold their son in their hands There's such, there's an evidence about the core of Christ that has to be foundational. And then the further and further you get away, like, then be open, be okay. Like, I don't like people that are staunch on a, on a position unless it's just Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Paul's teaching. It's like, if they're preaching Christ then shut up, like be okay, like let them do what they have to do. And then the other thing that I like to say is like, there's a parable when Jesus talks about the prodigal son. We need to leave this era where everybody in the body of Christ is actually the other son in that story.
1: Come on. Come on. That's that's, real.
2: That is, like, that's the solution. Read the prodigal son story and then identify, crap, I'm the other son. I'm the one that's been working in the father's house my whole life and I didn't know that I could have the same blessing that the prodigal son had. But I'm bitter. I'm upset because I'm like, I've been serving you. I've been serving you. Like, and the father's like, yeah, and I had this feast prepared for you every day if you asked. It's so good. Why, why must we look at one another and compare testimony, compare like fruit, compare it all? Like when the, the, the Father's house has been divine, the, divinely set up for all of us to have the same fruit, like the same table, the same blessing, all of it's here for every single believer. And I fully believe that. That's, I think, when you're talking about deconstructing faith, why don't you construct your sonship? It's good. Like, why don't you construct what the Bible does talk about in the realm of sonship? Because it's there. It's like, it's right there. Like, but, and I understand this when Holy Spirit is not operating in your mind as you're right. reading. There can be some difficulties to passages. I'm getting revelation about the word now that I never got for the five years that I was in Christianity. So I want to make a really, like, I want to make an effort to let everybody understand, like, this is very impossible to do without the Holy Spirit. And we coined this, like, little phrase, like, you have to read to get Rhema.
1: Hmm.
2: And so while I'm reading now, the Lord is giving me Rhema about Things that I could have easily brushed along because when everybody reads the prodigal son story, they're like, yeah, I was the prodigal son. Like, yeah, he's going to put a ring in a robe like, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but we so often forget like you could blink and four years can go by and you could be serving inside of a church where you feel like the other son. Yeah. So I understand that there's a lot of people who don't have the 24 years of sin. Like no one told me who Jesus was for 24 years of my life. I mean, I went to a Catholic school, but no one preached the gospel to me. Right, like No one came up to me in New York and was like, have you heard about this guy? No. And I get that a lot of people don't have that story. They have born in the church, raised in the church, heard pastors their whole life. So there's a lot of religion that has been built up and understanding that has been built up inside of them. So,
1: And that becomes the safety net. Right. And so we don't want to lose our safety net. We don't want to just... Trust in the Lord. That's scary.
2: Luke eighteen eight. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Those words have never been so real for the time that we're in where we have been bound to man-made wisdom and it's been actually a hidden type of fear to move in faith. Wow. And so when we... When we read the Bible, like have we have we stopped processing the way a theatrical film would create words to sh- to show up on a film? Have we forgot to see the early apostles live out something where they fully believed that he was coming every day, mm-hmm. and because he was coming, they were like, "I don't care about all these extra things. Like I just want people to be saved." I want my community to be full. I want my marriage to be full. I want my heart to be set ablaze for the things of the Lord. Like how simple was all that for them probably? And then we lie to ourselves and say, well, they didn't have what we have. It's like, yeah, but they had beheadings and crucifixions. Right. Y'all don't have that. Right. Yeah. You know? And so I think we've just, the Lord gave me this one word. He said, if you want to live above reproach, be simple. And we've overcomplicated it. That's good. And I hope I'm talking to somebody that understands, like, I'm not dumb enough to not understand religion, but I'm also smart enough to understand that I've walked in the world for so long. I've walked in the world for so long that I'm very aware of the common sense
0: of what isn't and what is.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that.
0: If you made it all the way to the end, we want to say thank you. I hope you subscribe, like, um, check out our YouTube channel. Make sure that you're subscribed for more content, and we'll see you with the next clip. God bless.